Tell everyone what you do. All right. Well, my official title, uh, my first title is Worship Specialist, which sounds Worship. pretentious, but yeah. I'm the music guy for uh, Tennessee Baptist. So basically, uh, my wow. background is in leading worship in church. Okay. Uh, I was the worship pastor at First Paris 15 years, Okay. my whole full-time ministry. So basically now, there are about 3,000 Tennessee Baptist churches, and my job is to help them as they need anything. No problem. He just messed my That's fine. No, no yeah. yeah. Okay. It's great. It's all good, okay. man. Yep. It's all good. I can, I can change right. jobs. You're good. <laughs> Welcome back to the Logical Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Lodge. Today, I have a very special friend and guest with me, Dr. Scott Shepard. How Scott, you doing? How are you? Good. How about you, Jonathan? This is the eighth time we have shook hands. <laughs> we are having some technical difficulties, <laughs> it, but... It's been great, yeah. though, every time, man. Whatever you have you. on your hands, I now have on my hands. <laughs> Making up for lost time. Yes. I haven't seen you in a long time, yes. so we're we doing were, it over and over We were discussing here. that it's been over four years yeah. since we've seen each other, and within a few hours, you were like, hey, I'll be on your podcast. <laughs> exactly. I'll do it Sweet. if you need me as well. No problem at all. Happy to help. We're here. So you were saying that you are a worship director for the state of Tennessee. Right. The so, Baptist. Right. There are about 3,000 plus Tennessee Baptist churches. Okay. So my job is to help those churches with their worship ministries. Okay. So my job is everything from consultants. You know, we're having issues, Scott, with this. Would you come help us? My pastor isn't getting along with my worship guy. Would you come help? Um, I plan and host conferences over the summer for regional conferences. Um, I'll go and do a lot of supply leadership. Uh, so like over the summer, I'm in a different church every Sunday leading worship. Wow. Uh, so one week I'll be at like a first Nashville leading with a big pipe organ, choir robes, the very traditional feel. And um, the next week I'll be kind of more in my more relaxed clothes, playing keys or playing guitar in a modern worship band. And I get stretched pretty hard on both sides, but love it. And uh, just really get to help worship ministries and churches. Um, and then the last year, the beginning of 2022, I added on to that the partnership missions role. So when churches go on mission trips overseas and even here nationally, I'm kind of the person that helps them as a liaison for that, planning their trips, oh, cool. cooking, making connections. We've got oh, a connection wow. in Guatemala, one in Denver, uh, one in Chattanooga, one in the Hawaii Pacific. So I'm kind of the liaison to help the church groups with their mission trips too. So Interesting. Yeah, it's great. I, I love it. I keep very, very busy, but very happy. You know? So you went to seminary to do this right? for so, music ministry specifically. Well, I, I was I was theology. Really? So I, I did my Master of Divinity. I okay. loved theology. I wanted to be a pastor first, you okay. know, but I want to be a pastor whose primary roles of responsibility were in music and worship. So I have all the same theological background that a pastor would, but all my electives have to do more with music and worship, with how to lead congregational singing and how to choose music and how to worship plan and how to lead choirs and all that sort of stuff. So why did you get a Master's in Divinity if you were going towards music ministry why would what would yeah well i mean the biggest reason is if you think about a worship pastor especially in evangelical baptist life you know we choose the songs that our people sing every single week uh, so even the analyzing of the songs theological content you know if i didn't have a theological background and well versed in that how would i know accuracy what fits our denomination what fits biblically in being appropriate and fitting so part of my theological background is to make sure that i'm choosing songs well 
but I also want to be a pastor. You're right. I'm not, most of my job isn't in front of people uh, leading worship for an hour. Um, it's sitting with people in the hospital and ministering that way. Uh, it's doing premarital counseling. It's marrying people. It's doing all the same things a minister or a pastor or a shepherd would do. I just happen to be the one that leaves the music part on Sunday mornings. Okay. So, yeah. Very, very interesting. So um, what theological seminary did you go to, if you don't mind? Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Okay, so the... The Southern Baptist Theological. <laughs> it was the one. And at the time, you know, my primary musical passion growing up was choir. I mean, I, I wanted to be a choir director in like a college university setting. I just love choral music. At the time where I felt called to step into worship ministry instead and go that route, the very best conducting teacher in all the seminaries happened to be at Southern. So it was like, hey, that's where I'm going. And uh, my wife and I got married, moved to Southern Seminary, and were there three years. And three years later, moved here to Paris, Tennessee, and been here ever since. Wow. Yeah, so quite a whirlwind. Wow. Yeah. So do you still study theology? Absolutely. I yeah. love theology. I mean, theology yeah. is something that's important to me. I mean, I think um, whether your focus is in music, um, I try, like to tell the people that I train, ultimately, you're, you're a pastor. You know, you're a theologian. You need to understand these things. Um, otherwise, uh, how can you really call yourself a pastor or a minister if you're not a theologian first? So, right, yeah. right. So I'm not. I guess I'm not familiar enough with the Southern Baptists. So they're sure. uh, they have a maybe a synod or something that meets an assembly or what right. Are they? We had the Southern Baptist Convention. The convention is what it's called. That's what that, it's that, called, that's right. the, the and in fact, convention. our whole name. And really, even though you, you you hear of the Southern Baptist Convention, they're really only a convention for about two days every year when the convention is meeting. So all the churches have a right to send messengers to the convention, and then the major decisions for our convention are made by those messengers sent from the local churches during that convention, which is each summer. Interesting. Exactly. That's kind of okay. the, the way it works with our, and obviously the local church is very central. Uh, that's the, the local church polity. The local church um, having the leadership of our over our convention is very key, rather than kind of a top-down authoritative oh, structure. Okay. Okay. So that's why it's such an important part of the Southern Baptist Convention is to have that that meeting where those key decisions are made. So the early church called that autocephalus. Oh, see? See, that's a word that I did not right. know. So that's, yeah, see, yeah, yeah. I know I learned something new and cool from Jonathan Lodge today. <laughs> <laughs> I could guarantee that yeah, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, you know? yeah. I've, uh, I've always found an interest in the very, very early um, first 600 years or so. Oh, I just yeah. found that very interesting, the church. Of course, that's a huge time frame that a lot of changes, a lot of things happen. But, oh, gosh, yes. Um, but, yeah, I've always found as far as theology is concerned, I've just— Got through reading the uh, Council of Nicaea, Absolutely. the canons. Absolutely, that's, that's of rich. The, of, yeah, yeah. So. Well, I actually said the Nicene Creed yesterday, but I have, which I, one? I, I, the, I agree. Now we did, well, no, we did, we did, the, we did the Apostles' Creed, and then we did the Nicene Creed. Yeah. So officially, the Nicene you know, Constantinople. Exactly yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. So I, I have, you know, again, I love history and love where it relates to theology. But naturally, especially my doctoral work, it really centered on those relations as they tied in to worship. You know right. what I'm saying? Because right. that was such a big focus of what I was focused on. So. Right. Yeah. I uh, I found um, it's it's really interesting too um, the the early church how how they did perform worship and um, I'm sure 
I rem- if my memory serves me correctly, Southern Baptists used to do this a lot. You know, you'd sing a lot of the actual scripture, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's the Psalms or, 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 you know, what have you. You actually sing a lot oh, gosh, of, yes. of the scriptures themselves. <clears throat> right. They're used as a form of worship. It's huge, yeah. yeah. And, and music wasn't its own entity. Music was just the way that you did the other portions of the worship. Right. right? It's the way you did the liturgy. It's the way you did the scripture. It's right. the way you did the prayers. I right. mean, it was very very responsive back and forth, lots of participation, especially in the early church. Right. And I think part of what, what happened as history went along, you lost a lot of that participation. Yeah. It became more and more what was happening really on, on the platform there on the stage. And I think part of what the Reformation was desiring to do was to bring that back. And, of course, um, as a result of that, whether you're Protestant or Catholic, I think both of those religious groups in Christianity have really tried to restore the work of the people, right? Yeah. The people are the ones who worship. It's not just a, a performance they're watching on the stage, but instead they're engaged in it. So, right. Yeah. So how familiar are you with the third tenet of Christianity? I heard you mention Protestantism and Catholicism. What about the third leg? About Greek Orthodox? Yeah, so yeah Orthodoxy. Or, or, Orthodoxy is definitely, uh, in fact, some of my... Uh, doctoral reading, uh, Alexander Schmemann is very mm. big in the Orthodox world, and and uh, and honestly, in, in in my reading, finding the commonality in a lot of the Protestantism, and there's a lot of even closer relationship to Orthodoxy in some very ways. Very much so. And, evangelical, uh, so. I have a deep deep appreciation. Yeah. For it. yeah. So the the evangelical um, Orthodox connection I find very interesting mm-hmm. because Orthodox their Christology really centers around a personal God, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know obviously you hear that throughout, um, you know, um, evangelical Protestantism. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, 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 oh, huge, that's huge, you know. And, and a personal relationship with right. that personal God. And that's, right. that's such a key tenet of evangelicalism right. as yeah. a whole. Exactly but you can right. go back and you can read some of these um, Orthodox, uh, you know, theologians or mm-hmm. whatever, and they're actually, in, you know, using the Greek usia and all these, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. to describe, you know, how, how it is that you can't know the essence, but you can know the person, and it is a very personal God. And, and the homo usia yeah, and all, right, all right, the right, creeds right. and the synods were kind of yeah. figuring those things out yeah. together and, you know, trying to, trying to take what they believed but then to explain it and put it into words, right? right? We believe Scripture teaches these things, but how do I put it in a clean format where I can confess it with the church and say, here's what we believe. You right. know, it's, it's and, hard. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I find it interesting, too, that um, and it's a lot of documents, major documents kind of work this way. Um, the Constitution does in, to an extent, but sure. the those those early councils, they, they were apophatic in the way in which they described what it is that they believed in so much as they, they said what they didn't. Sure. Right, 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 right. right, right. right. It was they like, were always it was, reacting. Was, yeah. Right. It was a reaction. Exactly. It was a reaction to something. Right. It wasn't right. like it wasn't like we're making a declaration. Mm-hmm. We're saying this. We're apathetically speaking. This exactly. is what we do not believe in. Right. We exactly do. Right. We stand against this. Mm-hmm. We stand against that. Because mm-hmm. a lot of those, when you're when you're reading those those canons and they're boring, they're actually <laughs> mentioning these you know n- 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 Nestarius and, mm-hmm. and all these people and by Arius name and, and Arius exactly and all these right. yeah. all these people by name mm-hmm. and and then calling them out and saying you know this is what you did wrong or this. Right. Which you, um, the other day was the the in in orthodoxy I believe was the feast day of Saint Nicholas. Okay, I saw, exactly right. I know where it, it's that time. I think December sixth. Yeah, right, exactly I saw right. a meme yep. that someone had put on Facebook because he actually had 
punched Arius at, right. at the Council at of the Nicaea. Council. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so uh, he was like, oh, I'm here to give out presents to kids and punch <laughs> exactly. heretics, and I'm all out of presents. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good time for that for that Christmas stuff because there's yeah. so, much, so much rich, even you know, Christian history yeah. and hey, kids, Santa history. Claus actually punched a dude in the <laughs> exactly. face because he was a yeah, Yes, yes, Saint Nick was very giving. He was known for, for like really taking care of the poor with yeah. his funds. Yeah, but he was also like fighting heresy. Yeah. So, yeah. so he was known for both those in the things. In three hundreds, exactly right. Like. That, that 325 is yeah, really, it was awesome. Right. It's what is amazing. it about that number? That 325 just sticks out. Yeah. Tell you what, exactly. All of a sudden, boom, Christianity. That, that's the right. That's as the, if the that, one time. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and even thinking through the, you know, the constant, uh, even I was looking at uh, you know Twitter the other night, and people were, you know, they argue about stuff on Twitter. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. But no, it yeah, no. It's, it's pretty uh-uh. neat. Yeah. Uh, they were just even talking about the, you know, the Merry Christmas stuff oh, and with the, the, with the Merry Xmas. And, and again, you'll have some that, that become, but, but they come become very offended when. Yeah. <laughs> when, 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 exactly, you know, when, when when they remove Christ from Christmas, that's kind but of the perception. Not. Exactly, right? You know, they're, they're not thinking historically, but that's right. why it's important right. to know church history because of this same period that three hundred. Right. We know we know that Constantine put the Cairo symbol like right. You know, he he saw that in a vision. He used yeah. it. The early church was using that X, that Cairo. Ooh, man, I'm gonna embarrass my mom. Oh, can please, do you, do you have the Cairo on? I have the Cairo. I want to see it. I yeah, want to see it. Yeah, I assume it's not on your shirt, though, right? No, it's not on my shirt. <laughs> exactly, it's under it's your shirt. shirt it's, it's under my shirt. Hang on, let's see if I can really I want to see it. I want to see it. Let's see. This is really crazy. Oh, I love it. See? Yeah. Got the Cairo. That is the Cairo. Is. We got to zoom in on that. Let's see here. Let's so see. so the early Let's church see. would, would put know. use yeah. that symbol as, as a reference yeah. to Christ. 327, Constantine used this as the first first two letters of Christ's name, I believe. Exactly. The, Ka- the Cairo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Exactly right. Um, yeah, I find it interesting. I, uh, I studied early uh, Christian art for a while, and, really uh, awesome. you know, what was, what was fascinating to me was, you know, obviously the Christian art, the early Christian art was very limited. Um, there's a few mosaics that were hidden. Um, they're uh-huh. mostly are found in the catacombs. Uh-huh is where they were, you know, the right. Christians were buried, and they were buried by the hundreds, um, obviously, um, because of persecution. Um, but I found it interesting, the symbols that they would use. One that they, they, they used a lot of common motifs. Mm-hmm. Um, one, obviously, was the anchor, mm-hmm. which I think is very interesting. Mm-hmm. A peacock hmm. was also very common. Um, Moses striking the rock gotcha. was found several times mm-hmm. so i guess it's um a precursor to baptism maybe in the early church yeah, maybe. yeah that water metaphor was the, huge. the water metaphor was exactly huge. right because yeah. there was a uh, you know uh, depictions of, of the baptism of jesus mm-hmm. um obviously you know with with the dove and very early on um but they the, all, all these uh, symbols and iconic representations mm-hmm. existed what i find super <clears throat> fascinating is in the four or five hundred plus uh, art pieces from mm-hmm. the 300, 327, we'll just use, or 325, we'll use sure. that magic right. number. Yeah, sure. 325 to, you know, to Christ, you know, mm-hmm. previous to Christ. Right. There is not a single cross. Mm. Yeah. So it's really originating at around that 325 and tied to the Cairo. When, when are you seeing that so, in your art representation? So in the art it? representation, yeah. you're not really seeing it until the Reformation. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. That's what so, you're seeing and, more and, of And that. because of the theological implications. Right. Absolutely. Right. With Christ being off the cross. 
Right, which is which is right. which ties more into the kind of early early thought and even the orthodox of kind of the Christus Victor theme. Absolutely, that that yeah. was less the yeah. uh, it was less the incarnation ex- exactly yeah. right. Yeah, the yeah. incarnation, the resurrection, the and victory the resurrection. over death, the victory not over the death. death itself. And no. again, the death was part of it, right. but it was always culminated with the resurrection. Right. That was always the center point. Even of your you know your Easter celebrations, right. you had all those were remembered, but the Easter was the central moment, not the cross. Right. right. Yeah, and it, and it really comes down to. Uh, uh, you, you've got to get the right Christology down, and, and I, I hate to say this, but you know, and I'm not trying to pick on Roman Catholics, but no, just fine. historically speaking, mm-hmm. the, the the Latins when they kind of look, they you know they we end up with the crucifixion, we end up with this fixation on his death, we mm-hmm. end up with this fixation on the actual um, sacrifice itself, sure. um, which. Uh, yeah, sp- Theologically speaking, you're going to run into some issues. I mean, because it, the the issue becomes this: mm-hmm. is how how is it? Do we look? How is it? Are we going to view God? God, God, and God's essence, and mm-hmm. and, and it comes down to a, a distinction of well, whether God is absolutely simple, right? Uh, at which point we have this somehow this mechanism of God dying for himself to pay back himself, mm-hmm. which sure. I've never really, yeah, I, that's never really resonated with me theologically. No, I get some, it. Well, some, I, mean, I think that, you know, there's definitely paradox within Christian thought. And when you get into Trinitarian thinking, um, you know, again, for me, obviously I'm Baptist and I think the, the substitutionary atonement is not something that I have any problem with affirming. You know, mm. I think there is a sense that Christ absolutely died for humanity. I think there's a beauty in that. Sure. I, I think there can be a beauty in him paying a penalty. I think people recognize uh, that, that penalties are our natural effect. And I said there's beauty in that. But for me, I'm able to also look at the Christus Victor theme, which gets far less attention. Yeah. So for me, it's not an either-or thing. Yeah. I, I'm able to take all these beautiful metaphors that I think are scriptural, that are historical, that I think we've, what we've seen at times is uh, the church has gone to one extreme or the other, swinging the pendulum right. as they react against one form to go to the other side, when really in reality it, it's either both and or it's a balance of the two. Right. And I think even when we think about um, different ways of looking at the crucifixion and the resurrection, one not need throw out atonement and substitutionary atonement to be Christus Victor as well. And that's where I would be, and I'm sure, I know the Orthodox is going to lean much more Christus Victor. Oh, I'm not arguing for no, the Orthodox. No, I, I, I know I'm you're just, not. I know I'm, you're not arguing. I, I just, that's yeah, kind of yeah. where, where, yeah. where I would be on those two topics. Right. You know what I'm saying? And they, they, they have an interesting, they have an interesting view on this because it is the victory over Absolutely. death. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's, 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 that's the their key. whole, that's their whole thing. Exactly. Is that, um, uh, you know that you we are the de- deification has a very different uh, terminology than the West mm-hmm. for, for the East. The East, they're, they're just so. I mean, it might as well be miles apart from the rest of Christianity. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, oh, it's as, no, it's as it. different as Protestant is from Catholic, but I w- I would say it's probably mm-hmm. even more so different because the Protestants really emerge from the Roman Catholics. They really right. emerge from that Absolutely. Western thought of. Mm-hmm. Divine simplicity, how mm-hmm. how it is they view God in His essence right. is this absolute divine simplicity, absolutely, absolutely. and the East really has this um, essence energy distinctions where they that's mm-hmm. that's where they kind of trail off. Right. And and uh, when you were talking about the creed earlier, it mm-hmm. made me think about the filioque, and I was like, I wonder if you say it, you know, that He proceeds from the from the Son, 
or, yeah. and the son. And that, that, that was part of it, right? And right. That's what we, we actually confess that we are. I didn't know if you it. Yeah, we, we've used that. Okay. Phil is what I've always right. called us, but I know it's not okay. pronounced correctly. So. But again, I mean, re- realistically, I mean, Baptists are not heavily creedal people. I mean, right. obviously, I mean, never in one of my congregations in all my years, maybe once as a Baptist, have we used a confession. Right. And there's some historical reasons, the fear of the fear of that authority structure, right. placing a creed that a church right. had to do. So I understand the reason Binding for it. it into right, a box right. So I, I think it's very stuff. important that, that they didn't always want to be bound by you must do this in order to be Baptist sure. or you're outside the fold. For me, it's been more, man, I want my, I want my family to know the Apostles' Creed. Right. You know, so like for me, I learned the Apostles' Creed more in the context of my family, teaching my kids. Absolutely. Because I, th- I think for Same me, the Lord's Prayer and right, all Right, exactly. Because yeah. Baptists, you know, obviously have a high view of the Bible, but for me, the Apostles' Creed is just a great summary of like some of the highlights of Scripture, and that's why I think it's of deep value. So you, you know? said you did add it though, and you did talk about it exactly. You right? Did, we did, you, we, you we, added the filio. Well, well, no, no, that. that that was something that I never used in that context, gotcha. but I did when we were looking over things a couple of days ago. So just, just, <laughs> just, just kind of. But again, I want. But even about Jordan, he's my twenty-year-old. Yeah. You know, I wanted my as they grow older, I want them to understand these things, and right. even things that weren't part of our tradition as Southern Baptists, you know, and, right. and creeds and some of the great things, I wanted them to see historically what other denominations and are doing. And my, and my kids deal. love them. My kids love those yeah. things, man. The creed they was a big deal. Exactly. It's it was huge. mentioned in other creeds. Exactly yeah. right. You know? <laughs> and again, and, and and Protestants have used the creeds. It's yeah. not it's not a, a, a thing that Roman Baptists Catholics have to react or, against yeah. Roman Catholics yeah. for. Or, and, and again, or whatever. But again, like I've said before, I think so often, you know, we take – what are good things, but we say, well, well, this group is doing it, mm-hmm. this denomination, this religious group, and we don't agree with them, therefore I can't do that thing. Right. Yeah, and, and that's even true of like things like Advent, you know, some of the Christian seasons that can be helpful and beautiful, but there are some in Baptist life that would say, I, I won't do Advent, or I won't do a candle, I won't do these things because I see them in Roman Catholic life, and I, and I try, to, try to speak on the opposite the end of that. Right. Of the well, history. Well, what is the symbol there? Both right. biblically, what is it portraying? And think about the early church symbols that you talked about right. earlier. They were able to speak with one picture yeah. what it would take so many words to ever right. communicate. And we've lost that. Yeah. And again, I love I love the tradition I'm in, but man, we we have so few symbols that we at least celebrate. Right. You know, we have them. They don't right. you know, we have the the the, the pulpit, the front in the center, right? That's a big symbol right. of the importance of the word. We have the baptistry, which obviously is important for a Baptist life. So we have those symbols. We have the big open platform with all the instruments because music is important about this life. It's all these symbols that are kind of undergirding. They're not things we would consider symbols. Um, but I miss the rich symbols that we've had in, in Christian life, for sure. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, the the passion that, that, that you have, obviously, for the, the Southern Baptists, I mean, it, it, it sounds like there's a rich tradition there, though. Uh, it There also sounds like... Uh, you're maybe torn ecumenism. Let's let's talk about ecumenism. Oh, sure, yeah, how, absolutely. How, what, how does this play? So, f- for those of you that don't know this this terminology, mm-hmm. this theological term, it's the idea of um, that all the Christian denominations, or maybe all of the world religions, or we could take it to however you want to say it, 
Um, but they all are kind of saying the same thing and pointing towards the same thing, and let's all join hands and kind of drop this. So how does the Southern Baptist, how does ecumenism fit with the Southern Baptist right now? Because I know it's a yeah. push with every denomination. Oh, sure. Every denomination well, kind of pushes towards that there are two different now. ways of thinking about when you think about the ecumenical. Because you lose your identity right, you when see, doing this. Right, so, so, so two sides. Uh, I think number one, I think both in my life personally, but also in Southern Baptist life, there is a greater recognition in 2022 that the Baptists aren't the only ones who get it, right? Right. I I mean, and there's not this exclusivity that says only Baptists, only if you are Southern Baptist will you go to heaven, right? Right. But but, but again, there there have been denominations that have been known for that throughout history, right? Right, (laughs) right. That's the reason they kind of split off. And and there was very little appreciation and love and respect Respect mm-hmm. within Christendom, yeah. within Christianity, they within the faith, and killed they each other. exactly yeah. rather than so. I would say, me personally, but also as the denomination, there's a much greater linking of arms across the fold. Now, will that umbrella? be narrower than perhaps a progressive mainstream denomination that would have a more moderate or liberal viewpoint? Because obviously, I mean, let's be realistic. Southern Baptists are not known for progressive liberal viewpoints. They are a conservative to moderate, depending upon how you're even using those terms, which we know terms are rough. But so there's a there's an umbrella that would be not full ecumenical. I mean, I, I think there would be very few Southern Baptists that would go full out. It doesn't matter what you believe, whatever path you choose. It's all the same. You're, you're good. Right. Uh, but there's a greater linking of arms of saying, hey, I think what we often would do, a good way to explain it, is you have primary issues and secondary and tertiary issues. Yeah, right? I've heard so, it, I've yeah, heard it explained as like a lowest common denominator. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, like, so I think we link on this lowest the, common the denominator. The centrality of Christ, sure. Christ, Jesus being the central, Trinity, the Trinity. But, 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 but I'm even going, I'm even going but, but fundamentally, believe in the Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. As Savior. But he's but, God. But, re- but right. But realistically, so the right, there are other things oh, that, that no. are tied into there. Are you not going to say the Trinity? Oh, no, I will okay. say the Trinity, of That'd course. I mean, absolutely, Baptists will affirm the Trinity. There's no question. I mean, no I'm question. saying, would that be a fundamental tenet to, like, to where the arms, like, oh, slap yes. the I mean, arm and say, no, absolutely. I'm not going to. I don't know. No. I if, don't you, know. if you have a Southern Baptist, they would not link arms with a group that is not it's Trinitarian. Not, non-trinitarian. Right. Exactly right. That's Because, again, but that's an orthodox viewpoint of mm. the faith. That is an early church thing that's going way, way back. That's right. where why they would hold that viewpoint. So. Right. Yeah. I've, interesting. Yeah. yeah. There's a... Now, how about you? I mean, where, where are you on that topic? It, it's on, a, on ecumenism? Oh, on ecumenism or even I, I on, the, on, on, on I Trinity? A, the most, <laughs> I want to join an exclusive... But what will your cult look like? I, it's going to be very exclusive. <laughs> All right, that's, like, you, can't, you, you are either, this is the word of God, right, right. And, no, and no one else gets it but, but my group. <laughs> exactly. Whatever group I have to join that says that, and we banish and embarrass people and just make them feel horrible if they're not in it. Exactly. If they were in it and then, then they have to leave, yeah. we make them feel even worse. No, I don't know. I, I know I, folks that way. Yeah, yeah. Scriptures is I don't. It's it's not the end all be all for me. But mm-hmm. it it's interesting. I think of when I think of scripture and, and maybe talking about this. You know, many will come in my name. Many will say that from me. Um, in Matthew, uh, mm-hmm. I, there's a lot of denominations. Oh yeah. I'm going to say something very heretical. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, from, sure. To to, to uh, in in Henry County. <laughs> This is the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. As far as ecumenism, mm-hmm. to me, it looks more like polytheism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so if I take the word Jesus, mm-hmm. and then I give that word to a Southern Baptist, or I give it to a Methodist, or I give it to whoever, and they're going to give that word back to me with a mm-hmm. different definition. Mm-hmm. That they've they've made a different God that has different attributes and different characteristics and different things that make that God very different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It it makes how they view everything, the world around them, the very foundation from which they view the world stems from these very things right here. Mm -hmm. So to say that we can agree on this issue or that issue or to say that there's maybe levels or something like that, I don't know. To to me, it looks very much like polytheism. It looks like there's a lot of gods, Mm -hmm. and they all have this name, Jesus. I'm a Christian, by the way. I want to clear that up because I don't want want a burning cross Mm -hmm. in my front yard Uh, (laughs) (laughs) to anyone listening that would never happen but, but, yeah <laughs> good cut <laughs> no, I, I guess a different i guess yeah. a different perspective on that so, and, I, and i hear you and i think that one of the most even like on reformation i'm not trying to be ugly no, no i get you but I, it, I it seems same, very like, much like polytheism to me i get it and i have i have the same hurt over the brokenness and the continuing splintering of what I see in the Christian faith. So even on Reformation Day, you know, good old October 31st, Halloween, sure. Reformation Day, I said I celebrate, you know, that that we were able to bring some reform that I think was needed to mm-hmm. the church through the Reformation, but I lament the fact that the splintering that began just continues and continues and continues to the fact that we have, you know, thousands and thousands of denominations. Right. And I, I would... Th- tell you that I think there that polytheism is a facet and I think that once you step outside of a certain bounds you could say hey you're serving a different God than I'm serving or teaching but I would say as you talk about a a Baptist or a Presbyterian or a Methodist um, I often see that they're emphasizing different aspects of Christ and they're focusing on different aspects, sometimes to the exclusion of some very real truths about Christ. So they're looking at different portions of Christ rather than worshiping a different God altogether. But I would say, again, there are, there are those, and, and again, there are those that I would consider that step outside of those bounds that I would not consider a Christian, that I would not consider a follower of Christ because they're outside of those ramifications. But that's just that's where I'm at on that. So would you? Uh, so how is it that someone would come to understand knowledge about Christ? Would mm-hmm. you? You're going to take the Baptist position that it's only through the Bible. No, I don't. I don't think the Baptist position is only through the Bible. You know, I mean, I, I think that Scripture is primary, and that Scripture is where we're where we're learning about Christ. That's going to be primary. But I mean, you think about how often do you hear having an experience with Jesus in Baptist or evangelical life? You know, uh, so divine the, revelation, right? I, but but again, but I think for our Baptists, the divine revelation will never contradict what has been revealed in Scripture. I don't think any Baptist is going to say that that Jesus would never in some way minister or communicate or have a an experience with a with a human a human would, couldn't have an experience with but that experience or the truth that is revealed isn't going to contradict what we find in scripture and that's where the baptist line would would happen on that uh, but i would i would certainly not say that all i know about jesus is simply through scripture i mean baptists will tell you stories of missionaries that walk into these foreign lands and that and someone says hey i had a dream five nights ago and and jesus appeared to me in my dream I never, I didn't know who it was until you came and, and told me. But Baptists recognize that Jesus reveals Himself, how Jesus desires to reveal. 
But in that, we recognize that Scripture is a foundation and that ultimately Jesus isn't going to reveal himself in a way that contradicts how he's already revealed himself, which is through the Word. That's kind of where a Baptist position would take on that topic. Sure. So any added revelations would be null and void, per se. Any added revelations that contradicted existing revelation, because otherwise how would it be existing revelation that's truthful if you're adding and it's changing what you already call truth for the last 2,000 years? That would be the classic Baptist position. Right. Make sense? But but ultimately it's through Scripture alone. Right. I mean, you still have sola scriptura. Right. But I'm saying even though we will say through Scripture alone, there are absolutely personal experiences with divine Christ. revelation. Right, divine revelation, right? So right. I, I don't, I don't, but when you think about Scripture alone, the Reformers were not saying that Scripture alone as the only source of divine revelation. You know, that, that, that was the, the primary, the foundational point, right. the, the one upon which nothing else could contradict. Right. You know, but I think often we hear solo Scripture, well, well, you only believe in Scripture, that's the only way that your God yeah. can speak to you. Um, but I don't think that's what Baptists have taught. I wish the Reformers had access to more of the early church fathers uh, than what they did. Oh, they, sure. were, they were very limited in, in the, mm-hmm. the early church fathers that mm-hmm. they had access to. I wish they, I think it probably would have changed the course of history and, and how their theology would have developed if they had access to some of the early Eastern fathers that just they were cut off from the West yeah, because right. of the Visigoths and, you know, history and Byzantium and all of those fun things that yeah, happened in between it. the time. But yeah. I was just talking to a pastor a couple of days ago sharing the same thought. You know, yeah. the, the, the fact is we have um, older... They had a couple. Right. We have, we have older manuscripts of yeah. Scripture. We yeah. have more access to the Church yeah. Fathers. We've got... This, Clement this, of Rome All these things all that, these that, that, things. that they didn't have Ignatius and Yeah. Exactly right. I mean, we, we have it all at our fingertips. And yeah. You can go yeah. and read Clement of Rome is, is the same century... As Christ, I mean, yeah, exactly. yeah I mean, that's exactly. yeah. eighty AD. I yeah, mean, that's exactly like right. It's pretty, wild, pretty close. You can pretty read close read, read his stuff. You can <laughs> exactly like read. Right. Could have played kickball with that, Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, <laughs> pretty tight historically. There, yeah, you know? I, I, that's something I've, I've again the the rich history of all of this. I've, I find it just very interesting in the theological implications of kind of how it developed. Um, I'm, I'm also very interested in a lot of the uniquely American denominations that we have here. Sure, um, Southern sure. Baptist is, is one of them, mm-hmm, is certainly. U- uniquely American, okay. came out of an American tradition. Okay, and um, uh, now, as far as the congregation itself, that is the largest Baptist congregation, correct? Yes, in the United Southern States. Baptist is yeah. the largest. It is the largest non-Catholic denomination. Period. Oh, really? Yeah. So that Southern Damn. Baptist is the largest denomination that's not Catholic. Wow. Right. Interesting. How big is that? Man, I don't remember. <laughs> millions. Millions. I, I, I yeah. think it's in that 27 to 30 million range. Wow. But that's, that's, don't quote me on that, yeah. which I just and did. And how long have you been in it? Um, my whole life. Your whole you life. Know, I was just kind of born into it. My, born my, into my it. parents were Southern Baptist and uh, yeah. grew up Southern Baptist life and then went to Southern Baptist College. Shorter Baptist University. Seminary. Went to Southern Baptist Seminary. But then my doctoral work was more ecumenical. Right. In a sense, because it, it, in I went to the Weber Institute for Worship Studies, okay. which I was sitting across from Presbyterian and Church of Christ and and um, and Episcopal, and we actually worship in an Episcopal environment and use the Episcopal liturgy so for kind our of liturgical. worship. Exactly, okay. very liturgical, even though almost evangelical liturgical. You know, yeah. it, it, so but it was a, a great cross section. Yeah. And for me, it was just 
beautiful to kind of hear those other perspectives because I hadn't heard them as much, mm-hmm. obviously, being so enrooted in Baptist life my whole time. It's interesting, the, the first century worship, I mean, it, it really does develop out of the temple worship, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. the, there's there's these Jews that are exactly. all, <laughs> exactly. they, don't really, important. they don't know what to call <laughs> themselves, but they're still worshiping in the temple, right. they're That's still right. doing this liturgical worship process, That's right. and uh, I mean, it, it developed out of there, and then developed, you know, kind of after they were kicked out of the temples for the most part, and, you know, killed, most of them killed, they went into people's homes, and mm-hmm. a lot of the early earliest Christian art, surviving art, was uh, found in people's homes, which I find exactly. very interesting. Exactly. Um, so a, That's a huge part, and, yeah. and, they, and it was a very simple, and that simplicity yeah. of, you know, getting together and, yeah. and breaking bread and having the Lord's Supper together. The Eucharist. The was, Eucharist, that, yeah, that was, was huge. huge. That was a weekly experience, yeah. at least. Yeah. I mean, it may, be, may have even been more than a weekly, right. depending upon how often they were gathering, and they were reading the Word, and they were praying. I mean, it was right. a, there was a simplicity and beauty of that. And um, at, at, even at First Paris, you know, I was at First Baptist Church of Paris, and uh uh, even go back to the old love feast. You oh know? yeah, you know, just, just right the agape feast. Yeah. You know, and even early I churches. One recently. Yeah, w- yeah. Where were you at when you? I, had I was that? at an Orthodox. Church. See, yeah. So, so is that yeah. the common tradition for the Orthodox? Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. I guess, and, and for the listeners that aren't familiar with it, it's 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 taking the Lord's Supper, but more in a celebratory meal context. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It, it, so it, the, the, you go through the mm-hmm. you go through the liturgy, right, and then post liturgy, then you have like a different like uh, kind of thing. And it's and then you break bread together, yeah. and it's very important, and and blessings and all these things, and it's and it's super important though mm-hmm. that everyone sits down and eats together, and they have like up what's called a blessed bread, which I found very interesting. And because we can get so, into all the discussions of what happens in the Lord's Supper, you know, right. the, the, you know what happens to the bread and the cup, but ultimately it's a fellowship meal, right? Right, it's the body of Christ. So I, so even at First Paris, periodically we would have a fellowship meal, Lord's Supper, and it was beautiful, right? Because it kind of gets to the root, because Right now, all we have is this token. We have this little bitty sure. piece of bread, and this little bitty cup, right? And, and, Jesus, and, and, that's right, what exactly, it. <laughs> right. And, 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 and there's beauty in that symbol, but sometimes the symbol can lose the richness of what it's symbolizing. Right. I think it periodically getting back to that feast and having the celebration meal together, like it would have been early church, right? Just lots of fun. I mean, that's what the Passover feast. I mean, that's what uh, they were having it. I guess they were having it early with with Jesus and mm-hmm. and. Exactly. Uh, I mean, that's what that was about. Oh, I mean, exactly and, right. And that's why the Passover connections and the crucifixion were very richly linked, you know, especially in John's. So. Right, yeah, which is kind of, of all of all of them. That's my favorite, by the way. Oh, that's John. rich. Yeah. It's rich. Well, and, and it's obviously the, the most deep and philosophical and intellectual as well, and Christologically, yeah. Yeah. For, for a guy like you yeah. who likes to think. The Logos. It, exactly, the Logos. So that, that, that's enough to, yeah. to read on for years and years right there. Yeah, you know? the Logos. <laughs> In the beginning, there was the Logos. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. And the Logos was God. <laughs> exactly. That's right, yeah. Yes. I, like, I like all the Greek words for, for these things. Uh, oh, sure. my, my daughter recently was the, uh, uh, the Theotokos for her school oh, play. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so, so we had to convince her. <laughs> It was her, it was her granny's name, <laughs> you know. So granny had to come over there, and she was like, you know, come on, be married That's for neat. this school play. I, I, I was like, it. you have zero extra responsibilities, <laughs> and she was like, no, nah, I want to be a cat. And I'm like, there's no cat at the manger. But then she was speaking emphatically, and she's yeah. like, there could be. And I'm like, dang it, there very well could be. She's four. I'm like, exactly. there could be a tarantula too. Now that I think about it, but you know, all you kind can, of good stuff there. Yeah, right? you, you should be the tarantula, the nativity, <laughs> exactly, because <laughs> they probably had one. I'm just saying, they're in the I, desert. I think you chose well. You 
goes well. <laughs> but, man, I've appreciated having this conversation. Oh, of course, Having man. you come on Absolutely. here and everything. Thanks for having me, Taking time out of your day. My pleasure, buddy. If there's anything you want to promote or, or no, any, no just, promotion at all, man. Just happy to hang out with you, you and get to know you. And you have a podcast coming up soon. Yeah, I'll have a podcast coming up in two or three months. And again, it will be focused primarily for worship leaders, for awesome. those that have that music and leadership role in their church. Wow. And uh, so I'm kind of in the preparation role for that, but excited to get it started here pretty soon, man. Fantastic. Love it. Fantastic. Guys, thanks for watching the Logical Podcast. I've enjoyed it. Uh, once again, Thanks, Mike Weatherford. If you're watching, stay tuned. See you guys.